Welcome to the Realities of College Recruiting Podcast, where our team of former college coaches, players, and MLB scouts tackle the most critical college recruiting topics. With guests including college coaches, MLB pro scouts, and industry insiders, we will empower you with the tips and strategies needed to gain an advantage in your college recruiting process. The Sports Force Podcast is powered by our partner, Five Tool Baseball. Okay, let's start the show. All right, thanks for joining us. It's uh, Andrew Beinbrink here with Sports Force, bringing you the realities of college recruiting podcast. And we got Jason Hirsch. We're in Denver at the Fast Arm facility. Uh, Jason, why don't you lead it off and give us a little bit of background on um, just kind of your own recruiting story that you went through? Sure. So, um, recruiting back when I played college ball was not anything like it is today. Uh, we had you know coaches that showed up to games and said hey do you want to come to our school and we said yes and that was pretty much it my you know I played division three baseball at Cal Lutheran University and uh, one of their coaches showed up to one of my games and offered to come on a visit I had a teammate who was already committed there and so I went on the visit and afterwards they said we'll let you play from day one and that was enough for me Um, I originally wanted to go to Arizona State went to a bunch of their camps but they wanted me to go to a JUCO and transfer and I just I wanted to go somewhere for four years and play, and Calu offered me that opportunity. So, ultimately, that's why I chose it. I didn't have to use a recruiting service or you know send out videos to coaches or anything like that. But then again, you know, 20 years ago, we didn't really have the kind of technology that we have now. And give kind of the audience an idea of when you started, you know, raising your velocity and kind of hitting your mark. You were kind of a late bloomer, right? Yeah. So I, um, going into college, really in high school, I was 86, 88. I think I touched 90 once. And uh, when I got to college, I was probably upper eights, maybe touching nine here or there. Uh, And then between my uh, junior or sophomore and junior year, it was the first year that I actually lifted weights. Um, Now, when I say lifted weights, it's not that I knew what I was doing per se. It was get in the weight room, throw a bunch of weights on the squat rack and go down about three inches and come back up. Um, but having never been exposed to anything like that in the past, um, it did wonders for me. So I started that year, uh, 88 to 91. I finished that year 94 to 97 and ultimately got drafted. And obviously Jason now runs a facility in Denver. Um, I'll let you kind of share a little bit about your professional background, you know, uh, at the major league level and how even what you learned at a big league level, how much that's changed. We're going to dive into that, but uh, why don't you just give maybe a quick summary of just kind of your pro ball experience and why you have such a passion for, you know, teaching these young men how to take their game to the next level. Sure. So uh, I was a second round draft pick by the Astros um, out of Cal Lutheran, um, played my first full season. I think I had one really bad game. Other than that, I didn't give up and earned run. So I had a pretty, um, pretty impressive start to my career that I was very thrilled with coming from a small D3 school. Um, ultimately uh, made the jump to high A and then double A where I earned pitcher of the year honors, then triple A where I earned pitcher of the year honors uh, before being called up to the Astros in 2006. And uh, in the winter of 2006, they traded me to the Rockies, uh, pitched on the 2007 World Series Rockies team. And then uh, 2008 had a shoulder injury uh, in spring training, spent most of that year at AAA rehabbing, uh, came up in September and, and made a few starts, a couple bullpen appearances. 2009, I was traded to the Yankees and then uh, played AAA with them all season 
and ultimately blew out my arm or my shoulder uh, throwing a ball to first base uh, on a swinging bunt down the first baseline. And for all intent and purposes, that ended my career. Uh, after that, I, I dabbled in indie ball for about two weeks before I decided to uh, bring it on home and kind of do something else with my life. Uh, I tried to fall back on my college education. I had a multimedia degree from Cal Lutheran. And um, the more I got into that, the more I realized that it would take me just as long to catch up to my field as it did for me to get my degree in the first place. So then it was, what do you love doing? And baseball was it. And so I had a, a, a group of nine-year-olds that uh, asked if I could give them some pitching lessons, and I saw a ton of growth in uh, a two-month period with those guys, and it made me have that same sense of accomplishment that I got as a player. And so I decided ultimately to start my own deal, and um, that was six years ago, and you know we've grown every year since, and you know I've grown not just as a coach, but you know as a as a person, as a human being. Um, and then just different teaching methods. I mean, the way I used to teach six years ago compared to now is completely night and day. And we've tried to stay with the times and, and understand that, you know, baseball technology and science have really driven the industry. And so we try and stay on the forefront of that. Absolutely. And, you know, one thing, I don't know if you caught it there, but Jason was drafted out of a Division three school, Cal Lutheran. So for any of the, you know, players, parents, coaches that are out there, you, you got to understand the professional scouts, they will scout you at whatever level you are, D1, D2, D3, junior college, NAIA. Um, so if you're, all, if you're always concerned about, oh, where do I go to college is going to be like the right choice for me, you know, for professionally, um, getting playing time, getting innings, that's going to be a big springboard for you and, and the potential to play after college. Um, you know, we had a recruiting workshop here and we've, we've done it before. And, you know, we work with, you know, some of your um, players and pitchers that work out here. And one thing you brought up last night, which is a huge piece in the recruiting deal. Um, and this is a one thing you got to take away from this interview here is how important it is picking the right school, doing the due diligence, whether you're a position player or a pitcher. I'm going to have Jason talk a little bit about kind of the, the, the pitching scenario and the right philosophy and, and whatnot uh, based on his experience. I think one of the important things that you guys talked about last night was finding the right fit, right? If you are, you know, throw, if you throw 75, 80 miles an hour and have aspirations to play Division One baseball, you're probably not going to make it. And I think understanding that going into the process is really important in understanding what your potential options would be moving forward. Um, the point that I brought up last night that I think is equally important in today's day and age is when you are interviewing schools, um, schools that you think you have potential to play at, one of the first questions out of your mouth should be, what is your development philosophy? Will, like, I train using weighted balls, do you, would you allow me to continue to train in that method or do you not believe in that? Because we've had athletes that have gone on to play at schools because they thought it was a great fit and then when they get there, they start doing their plyo care work or their long toss work or their bands and all of a sudden the coach comes over and goes, we don't do that here. And next thing you know, that player's arm is deconditioned. Uh, he's not feeling right. He feels like he's being attacked at every turn because he's not comfortable in the situation he's in. And ultimately, they end up transferring out um, and in worst case scenarios, get hurt. 
And so you don't want to have that. Obviously, you want to go somewhere and stay there, you know, for the duration of your career, whether you come out as a junior or stay all four years as a senior. Um, but I think it's really, really important to understand that whatever school you go to, um, you need to ask what the development model is and if that's going to fit who you are as a player. Yeah, and I think also having them explain what is their development model, not just saying, oh, you know, we we follow some of the driveline stuff. Right. Like that's not a big enough, that's not a good enough answer. It's a broad, yeah, it's a broad spectrum because there are schools out there that say, hey, we do this, right? Well, or we, we take elements of this. And sometimes that means like, we bought the balls one time and we used them for about a week and then we threw them in the garbage. So it, it you know, making sure that you understand what that philosophy is, um, the ins and outs of it, even going as far to say, Hey, I'd like to talk to some current players on your team to say what, you know, the coach is telling me this, what is your experience with it? Absolutely. And you know, one thing that we're starting to see more and more of as we're in the trenches talking with college coaches is College coaches are wanting to get more analytics on player performance. So it used to just be, um, you know, now exit speed, uh, standard velocity. But now, you know, college coaches, they'll ask for spin rates. Some schools are asking for pitcher spin rates or a Rapsoda report. Um, can you kind of dive in a little bit on just how you've, um, how you're developing your pitchers? Um, and kind of the importance that you're seeing with the metrics and the pitch design stuff. Sure. So we're an arm care facility first and foremost. That's how we started. That's where our roots are. Um, I'm a Jager guy. Um, Alan's a real close friend of mine and a mentor um, throughout my career. So that's how we started. Um, players really pushed us to get into the weighted ball market. Um, a couple of my students asked me about um, weighted ball philosophies, and I said the only thing I know about them is they scare me. So I did my due diligence. I did my research. Um, I bought the balls. I called driveline. Uh, I put myself through the program before I ever implement it with any of my students. And then we jumped full bore into it. And so we've seen a lot of growth in terms of arm health, um, fixing of mechanics, uh, durability. Um, those have been huge assets for us. And then as those arms get bigger and stronger, um, we also were a early adopter on Rapsodo. So we started gathering the spin rate data, the velocity, the movement data. And, you know, more recently, we've been really into pitch design and understanding how all those metrics work. Um, but I think it's important for an athlete to know who they are as a pitcher. And those metrics can really help um, diagnose, you know, what you should be doing versus what you are doing. So we like to say we want to take the guesswork out of your development, right? So if you're an athlete who says, you know what, coach, my curveball has been really terrible. It doesn't get guys out. 99% of the time, believe it or not, when a high school kid comes in here with a bad curveball, he has slider metrics on his curveball, meaning he throws a slider that drops because of gravity, not because of the actual spin of the ball. So we will then take that philosophy and say, all right, curveball doesn't work. Let's turn this into a slider. Um, and, you know, we can go, we could probably do an entire podcast on pitch design and spin rates and things like that. So um, I don't want to get too into the weeds on it, but I think it's important for us as developers, uh, as, a, as a facility, to give that kind of an insight to our player because it could take somebody who hasn't been using their ability properly and turn them into an absolute stud at another level. Or 
you know, based off the metrics, you can tell a kid you are, you know, three, four, five standard deviations above major league average Mm -hmm. so that I can project you out. You throw 70 now with 30 Bauer units on your fastball, meaning you're six standard deviations above major league average. If you continue to grow and get strong and motivate yourself, if we can get you to 90, we can get you to any school that you want to go to, or we can get you drafted just based on those numbers alone. Yeah, it's gotten that scientific, and it's pretty impressive. Uh, I think we'll probably need to do another podcast on pitch design. I was here in February when uh, Jason was working with a number of the pro pitchers that were here, and I got some video of a, of a pitch design session and kind of the Rapsodo analysis, and it was it was pretty awesome to see as a former pro player, um, you know, just where the game is going, um, and. I think pitch design is going to start happening at uh, at a youth level, meaning high school. It's going to start happening more and more. I know you're already doing it probably with some of your pitchers. Um, but getting back into, you know, the recruiting game, parents, players are, are hearing – you know, oh, you need to get your velocity to this. You need to you need to go to this velocity camp. You need to do this. You need to do this. Um, what would you say are some of the big kind of buyer beware? Be you know, be concerned about just being velocity only focused mm-hmm. and short term focused. Right. So I think, I mean, the game is now a power game, right? Whether you're talking about launch angle, exit velocity, spin rate. Um, throwing velocity, whether that's across the diamond from the outfield to second base or from the pitcher's mound to home plate, it's a power game. However, when you talk about velocity development, there's some things that need to be keenly aware of. A lot of what you see on the internet is the fun stuff, right? That's the pull downs where you get to watch guys like Trevor Bauer pull down at 116 miles an hour and uh, so-and-so pull down at over 100 miles an hour. You might see high school kids do it. You might even see youth athletes doing it. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But what you don't see in those videos is the four to six, sometimes eight to 10 weeks of work that was done prior to that, that allowed their bodies to absorb that kind of a workload to have success. So if any velocity program out there, first and foremost, makes guarantees, you need to turn around and run immediately because there's no guarantees in in velocity development. I cannot sit here with an honest face and say, you know, so-and-so is going to gain X miles an hour if you do our program because I can't guarantee your work ethic. I can't guarantee the effort that you're going to be putting into it. And I don't know anything about you outside of your physical stature, right? You might have mechanical flaws. You might have movement flaws. You might have, you know, skeletal musculature stuff that I don't see on the surface that is going to hinder that growth and that development. And so uh, any program that makes guarantees is not the right one that you need to be in. Um, A program that has a on-ramp period where you are getting slowly acclimated to things, um, where nobody is being pushed to do things outside of their comfort level, those are programs that you want to pay attention more to. Um, Like I said, I started as a Jager guy, and from that, I chased the rabbit, right? So whoever Jager was kind of following, because I believed in, in Allen and I trusted him, he led me to driveline, right? Driveline led me to 
say the Texas baseball ranch, right? And the Texas baseball ranch led me to, you know, Austin Wasserman at, at AB athletics on the East coast. And Austin led me to somewhere. Else. And so like I said, you kind of follow people with similar philosophy goals and development goals. And you say, you know, is this something that I want to do or that I'm interested in? And if it is, that's a program that you want to be a part of. But like I said, if anybody makes guarantees, you're, you're in the wrong place. Yeah, absolutely. And <clears throat> The number of UCL injuries, um, and Tommy John, as most people know it, uh, is growing at a um, explosive rate. And you know, as a parent, uh, I would say, um, if your son says, "Hey, I'm good to throw again," um, or "Let's play another tournament this weekend," you have to protect your sons from themselves sometimes. Um, and protect them from parents and coaches. It's really, you don't need to protect them from themselves. Listen, I, again, we can chase the rabbit on this one as well. I'm a big believer that less is more. Um, you know, we see, we probably see two to three little league elbows a year, um, that come through our facility and that's, you know, youth athletes, you know, 13 and younger that have played 60, 70 game summer schedules and all of a sudden their arms hurt but because the team has you know expectations parents have played have paid x amount of dollars to be in these tournaments or on these teams they feel like their kid has to go through it right and then they start pushing and then the kid decides that you know I don't want to tell anybody that my arm hurts and next thing you know they've got a fractured growth plate which leads to even more problems down the road and so it's not necessarily um that the kids are the ones I think it's more the parents and the coaches that are abusing the kids for the sake of, you know, winning a trophy or a medal that a kid is not ever going to remember, right? The parents going to remember it because they're emotionally and monetarily invested in it. Right. And you're, you're professionalizing your youth athlete, you know, youth sports is a $15 billion a year industry. Everybody wants a piece of that pie. And so we've taken a generation of players and said, we want to treat you just like, I'm going to treat a 23, 24, 25 year old at the big league level, but we're going to play these uber competitive tournaments where you're going to throw 80 pitches back to back days, um, you know, with walkout songs and fancy uniforms and, you know, and all this stuff. And at the end of the day, you're, you're burning out your athlete, you're injuring them or wearing them down to the point where as they get older, they're going to break a lot sooner than they would have had you just let them be a normal kid. Yeah, that, this could be another podcast uh, episode. Um, you know, along with that, I would say the point is when you're thinking about the recruiting process, whether, you know, your son's 13, 14 years old and starting to show early signs of a college prospect or they're 16, 17 and approaching their senior year, um, it's easy to sign up and kind of go to a bunch of different tournaments and showcases and camps um, however that can sometimes not be the right use of your family's money and time and energy for your son's development um, there is I think too much emphasis right now on playing games and showcasing and not enough emphasis on the training and development the athletic movement the things that actually college coaches want to see when you do showcase so as a general philosophy, as an organization, we would say, depending on where the player is, um, 
having a strategic approach to when it's time to showcase, um, but making the time for the training and development so that you're really preparing yourself to get recruited by as many quality programs as possible, but also you're taking care of your health. And this is not about just getting recruited. This is about having the best potential career as a baseball player and as a student athlete as you possibly can. So thinking more long-term and surrounding yourself with coaches and mentors that are thinking more long-term is critical. Yeah, I would say uh, think about it this way, and and next time you get a a showcase invite or uh, a tournament invite, the goal should not be to get seen. The goal should be to have something worth being seen. Right. And if that means that you have to pump the brakes a little bit on showcasing so that you can spend some time developing um, so that when you do go to that showcase, now you've got a tool that a coach wants to see or a professional team wants to see, then that's going to be more worth your time, your effort and your money um, than if you were just to go to go. Absolutely. And and obviously you deal with a lot of parents and and student athletes uh, that are going through this process. I guess any final um, kind of recruiting uh, lessons that you're seeing in the trenches or, you know, tips that you think are are critical for parents to take away? Yeah, I think uh, there's a lot of tools out there at your disposal, some that don't cost anything like social media. Um, And then there are others where you can get Uh, free advice, like listening to a podcast like this, um, where you can get information from people who are in the trenches on this, who work with this day in, day out. Um, But don't let it stress you out. Have fun with it. Um, But also be very realistic with it. And I think those, if you can keep that stuff in mind, I think the process can actually be more enjoyable than it is for most people. Yeah. And one of the points I made at, at the workshop was, you know, as a parent, you know, nowadays it is a buyer beware market, meaning everybody's trying to get into your wallet um, and trying to get into your bank account. So every dollar, every hour that you spend, you know, in terms of supporting your son um, and their goals for, you know, college or your daughter, you know, and her goals for potentially playing college sports, just make sure that that time and money is being used uh, toward driving a return on investment. That's really part of a game plan that's grounded in, and makes sense for what your family's goals and what your child's goals are for the next level. And, you know, the competition is stiff. Um, I'm going to make one more point before I, uh, before we sign off, but, uh, I'm going to ask Jason, you know, if you can just share a little bit more about fast, uh, arm care and, and the, and the facility, this is an amazing facility. We're going to post some photos, uh, and this place will blow your mind. Uh, but just share a little bit about where you are, how people can find you from all over the world. Um, and, um, you know, why you love what you do. Sure. So we, uh, we just moved into a brand new 30,000 square foot facility here in Denver. Um, we're on the Northeast side of Denver, uh, just east of Stapleton at, uh, 4721 Ironton street. Um, the building's called Beacon North. Uh, like I said, 30,000 square foot building. It is a purpose-built training facility. Um, was previously occupied by a supplement company that used this as their headquarters for their training their athletes. Um, we've got three full-length tunnels. They're 70 foot long, 18 feet high. We've got uh, all kinds of great technology. Uh, we've got hit tracks, Rapsodo, um, Edgertronic cameras, K-Vest for the hitters, um, the Rapsodo for pitching and hitting, 
Um, we deal with a lot of plyo care work, and we have uh, wonderful strength partners in Landau Performance um, literally in the same building. So it becomes a truly one-stop shop for all of our athletes. Um, and then, you know, FAST started as, as a response to what we saw as a lack of arm care. Uh, in youth athletes, and it's grown over the last six years. Um, we still work a lot with youth athletes, but we've really found a niche in the high school market, um, especially out here in helping guys, you know, sharpen their tools, um, keep their arms strong and healthy throughout a season. Um, and even more recently, we've been really good at rehabbing. Um, we get a lot of kids that show up here that are broken. Um, they have bad shoulders, bad elbows. Um, and once we understand the extent of those injuries, we correct mechanics um, and we get them healthy and they go out and have success. So uh, if you want to learn more about what we do, we, we can train locally. We train remotely as well. Um, you can find us on the web at fastarmcare.com, uh, fastbaseballdevelopment.com. We'll take you to the same place. And then both of our socials are fastbaseballdev, D-E-V. Uh, and that's on Twitter and Instagram. We do post a lot of Instagram content, so uh, that's probably the preferred place if you want to see some videos, uh, pictures, things like that of our facility and uh, our instructors. Awesome. And if, if any of you have any questions or comments, you know, feel free, you know, to get in touch. Um, we're going to post this obviously online and you can, and we'll tag, you know, Jason and fast arm care development in all of this stuff. Um, but, uh, and we're going to come back. If you, if you guys want Jason to dive into the pitch design stuff, we can, we can tackle that as well. Um, I think that's kind of the new frontier of, of where even the high school and uh, the college kind of development piece is going to go. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, pitch design, we can make it as complicated or as simplistic as you want. It really just depends on the athlete, the parent, uh, and how deep you really want us to go on it. But um, that that is the new wave of, of technology. Uh, if you watch spring training this year, just about every organization had a Rapsodo and a high-speed camera attached to their bullpens. Um, we had a pro athlete in here who plays for the Astros um, all offseason, and he said literally every pitch I've thrown since being drafted has been videoed or recorded by some measure, right? Whether it's a TrackMan, a Rapsodo, uh, a high-speed camera, they have every single pitch he's thrown. So um, that's the wave of the future. Um, so, you know, if you're old school and saying, oh, I don't believe in this stuff, that's fine, but you're going to get left behind. So make sure that uh, at least just educate yourself on it. Um, you know, a little bit can go a long way. Yeah, it's the old term, innovate or die. Uh, and that goes with, with recruiting. You know, the reality, it's gotten more and more competitive. There's better players now across the country with getting good training. Uh, it's not just the hotbeds um, that are getting recruited now. So you're a parent, you're a player, you're a coach. Um, you know, this whole college recruiting process, you know, requires a game plan. It's arguably the largest decision that you and your family are going to make. And your pitching and your strength and your training development is a huge part of it. That's why we had Jason on, you know, today. And um, signing off here from Denver, the realities of college recruiting. Uh, have a good one. Thanks for being part of the Realities of College Recruiting podcast and our partner, Five Tool Baseball. You can easily subscribe on iTunes and check us out online at Sports Force Baseball for every past episode of our podcast. If you want to ask questions, share insights, and recommend future guests, hit us up on Twitter 
and Instagram at SportsForceBB and Facebook under SportsForceBaseball. Be sure to join us on our next episode of the Realities of College Recruiting podcast. And remember, your college decision isn't a four-year one, it's a 40-year one.